I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here. Welcome in, everybody. We. Episode 404 of the podcast. It is Sweeping America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is Thursday, June 24th, 2021, people. And I got to say, for the middle of June, the end of June, we actually have a busy episode of the Aaron Torres podcast to get to. lot to get into, lot to dive into. And as I said last episode, most of today's show will focus on the NBA draft lottery. Tuesday night, the draft lottery happened. We now know what the order of teams drafting is. And because this is kind of a college basketball, basketball, it's, it's an all-sports podcast, but I love college hoops. Many of you are NBA fans. You want to know more about the college guys. Many of you are college fans, and you want to know more about where your favorite college player is doing. So this is what, where, where they're going to go, excuse me. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to open. I'm going to talk a little bit about the draft lottery, winners, losers, all that kind of stuff. And then from there... We are going to do something I've never done on this show before. We are going to do a mock draft. Don't worry, it's not going to be all 30 first-round picks, not all 60 picks overall. Just the top 14, what I believe the NBA, the teams drafting in the lottery should do with those picks and what they ultimately will do with those picks. We'll take a quick break from there. We will talk about a few different topics. The SEC Big 12 Basketball Challenge. We now have the games and the dates and the times that these games will be played. And let me just tell you, we got some great matchups there. And we'll wrap with maybe a very special shout-out of the day. Uh, Jay Williams did some very interesting stuff on social media on Wednesday. We'll talk a little bit about that. But with that said, let's get into the topic of the day. And as I said last episode, the topic of the day, the topic of the week as it pertains to what we do is the NBA draft lottery. And, and I'll say this, it, it, the NBA draft lottery is one of my favorite days of the year for a few reasons. One it brings together the NBA and the college basketball world. You guys know I'm more of a college guy than an NBA guy, but if you've listened to this show, if you've followed my tweets, you know, like I do watch the NBA. I mean, I, I see these guys in high school and in college, so of course I'm going to follow Trey Young, Devin Booker, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, whoever once they get to the NBA level. And the NBA draft lottery is kind of that middle ground where the college game meets the pro game. But what I also love about the draft lottery is that it's a little bit like signing day in football, where everybody feels like, okay, there's optimism. I'm a Sacramento Kings fan. Life is great. I got the ninth pick. We're finally going to draft the guy that gets us into the NBA playoffs. And so it's just a really fun day, and it's, it's really fun to kind of see these, these kids that we've watched in college last year, two, three, have their moment, kind of start to figure out where they may be going, and we start the draft process, which will culminate in a month. And so what I want to do is talk a little bit about it, talk about the winners and losers of NBA draft lottery night. But before we get into it, let's just first talk about the lottery itself as we now have the NBA draft order. I will give you the first 14 picks. Be very quick on this. Number one, 
The Detroit Pistons have had the first overall pick. First time in like 40 or 50 years that they get the number one overall pick, and we all know what they're going to do with that. We'll talk about that in a minute. Number two, the Houston Rockets. Number three, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Number four, the Toronto Raptors. Number five, the Orlando Magic. Number six, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Number seven, the Golden State Warriors get the Minnesota Timberwolves pick as part of the Andrew Wiggins trade. Number eight, Orlando gets its second top eight pick via Chicago as part of the uh, one of the trades that they had. Zach Levine, I can't remember. Number nine, Sacramento. Number 10, New Orleans. 11, Charlotte. 12, San Antonio. 13, Indiana. 14, Golden State. So that is the draft order. And what I would say, if you need to know one thing, and it's going to pertain to the winners and losers and the mock draft itself, is that most people, and I include myself in this, as somebody who knows these high school college basketball players probably better than most, most people believe that this is a five-player NBA draft in which there is a clear-cut, definitive top five. And after that, there is a pretty big drop-off between five and six. Those top five, obviously, Cade Cunningham, the combo guard from Oklahoma State, Evan Mobley, superstar dynamic center from USC, Jalen Suggs hit that iconic shot against UCLA. He is, of course, from Gonzaga. And then two kids from the G League Ignite program, that program that uh, bypasses the college basketball game, Jonathan Kaminga and Jalen Green. Uh, they're kind of opposite players. Jonathan Kaminga, a little bit more raw offensively, uh, but is a two-way player, gets after it, kind of crazy competitive on the defensive end. Jalen Green, maybe the best pure scorer in this draft, but hasn't shown a proclivity uh, to uh, to defend very much on the other end. And so that's kind of what you need to know. That's the draft order. There's five guys that everybody kind of deems to be the five best players in this draft. Now what I want to do is, again, go back and talk about the winners and losers of the NBA draft lottery, which again happened on Tuesday night. And the first winner, look, it's the Detroit the, the Detroit Pistons, okay? Because we know it's been a long decade since the Rip Hamilton, Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, since that team kind of disintegrated. Let's be honest. The Detroit Pistons have been kind of irrelevant. They've tried to rebuild. They've tried to do this. They've drafted that guy. They had Blake Griffin for half a second. They've been on the fringe of the playoff. They've been one of the first teams out of the playoff. Well, last year, they finally decided, you know what? It's time to tear this puppy down, completely rebuild it, start from scratch, and they are rewarded with the number one pick in a really good draft, and they are going to draft Cade Cunningham. And we'll get into Cade in a minute and how he fits with Detroit and all that stuff. But what I truly believe is that in this moment, the Detroit Pistons are the biggest winner because there is a consensus best player in a consensus really good draft, and they get to draft Cade Cunningham. And is he for sure uh, the player that's going to put them over the top? No, he's actually the opposite. He's just the first piece in what is going to be a massive rebuild. But if you know Cade Cunningham, he's obviously a great teammate, a great leader, friend of the Aaron Torres podcast, by the way. I had him on last fall. And I just think he is a great building block for the Detroit Pistons with the number one overall pick. So shout out to Detroit because they are the winners of the NBA Draft Lottery. The second winner, in my opinion, in the NBA Draft Lottery. I'll say it's the team with the second pick, the Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets, kind of the same deal. They went through the James Harden era. They tried a billion different guys around him. Dwight Howard, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, all these guys. None of it worked. They finally decide to tear things down this year. They end up bottoming out, having the worst record in the NBA. And they're rewarded with it with the number two pick. Now, I believe they're a winner, not because they're going to get Cade Cunningham. They're not. But one, this is a five-person draft of uh, you know five elite players. And so because of it, what I love about Houston's position, they're now in the perfect spot. They're not going to get Cade Cunningham, but just about anything else that they would want, they are going to have the potential to draft. So if they want that lead guard, this is a guard-driven league, uh, go get that guy that you can put the ball in his hands and he could be a star for the next 10 years, it's Jalen Suggs. If they want the rim protector, energy, rebound, shot blocker, who's also a very good offensive player, kind of a two-way player down low, it's Evan Mobley. They can draft Evan Mobley. If they want that high-volume scorer that they believe can be a guy that one day turns into an all-star averaging 22, 25 points a game, go get Jalen Green. And if you want that two-way wing in an NBA where it's increasingly you got to have guys that play on both ends of the court, go get Jonathan Kaminga. So to me, the Rockets are in the almost perfect position. They can bring in all four of those guys. All four of those guys have reason to believe they could potentially be the second pick in the NBA draft. And the Houston can just decide how they want to start rebuilding their franchise and in what way. The third winner from the NBA uh, lottery, the NBA lottery on Tuesday night, 
It's the Toronto Raptors. And it's really simple. The Toronto Raptors, never forget, they are, it feels like a lifetime ago, they are two years away from winning an NBA title. And even a season ago in the NBA bubble, people forget this, they lose Kawhi Leonard and they were still one game away from making the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Now, I know it's a different team, but at the end of the day, if you think about this year for the Toronto Raptors, never forget, they didn't even play any hope. They weren't even in Canada. They weren't allowed to be in Canada. They played their whole season in Tampa Bay. So you can understand where you lose Kawhi Leonard two years ago. Kyle Lowry's getting a little bit older. And you can't even go back to Canada, sleep in your own bed. You spend the whole season in a hotel. I bring all this up to say you can understand why the Raptors bottomed out and finished with the seventh worst record in the NBA, but now, thanks to the lottery gods, they move up to number four, and they get to take a really talented player to help what should be a very quick rebuild. And when you consider all the variables that went against Toronto this past season, with the fact that they have some young building blocks, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam are both really, really, really good players. Now they get to add a top four pick to that. This should be a team that's back in the top half of the Eastern Conference next year. And the lottery gods were just completely on their side here because they end up with a top four pick and they should be able to add a difference maker to a really good team next year. The fourth team that I believe is a winner and this one's obvious. It's the Golden State Warriors. And so the Golden State Warriors have two of the top 14 picks, this after having the number two pick last year and drafting James Wiseman. If you're confused as to how they got the top, the, 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 the seventh overall pick, this is very interesting. So as part of the Andrew Wiggins trade, they got Minnesota's first round pick today, this, this year, excuse me, if it fell out of the top three. Why is that important? Minnesota was trending as a bottom three team in the league all year. They get hot late. They go five and five down the stretch, win five of their last 10 games. And you know what happens? They move way down the draft odds, which puts them well below the threshold to likely get a top three pick. They end up at number seven. And guess what happens? The Golden State Warriors get it. So now you have a team that was basically, they were what? The ninth seed this year? In the NBA, without Klay Thompson, now you bring back Klay Thompson. You obviously have Steph Curry, who played at an MVP level this year. You have Draymond Green, and you're going to add two top 15 picks to that. And oh, by the way, you can always trade that pick for a veteran or both picks for a veteran if you see something that works for you. But I bring it up to say, like the Golden State Warriors are going to add two nice pieces to their rotation. And this is how, in the NBA... You have, you, you have to get lucky in some ways because in the NBA right now, when you pay your superstars so much money, you have to be able to figure out how to spend money cheaply to fill out the roster around them, right? It's kind of like the NFL. If you think about the NFL right now, why are teams so aggressively drafting quarterbacks? It's because if you get the right quarterback on a rookie contract, you can pay all the veterans around them, and that allows you to build a Super Bowl contender with a young quarterback and with talent all across the field. It's what the Seattle Seahawks did with Russell Wilson. It's what the Rams did with Jared golf and it's why all these teams want a quarterback on the rookie contract in the NBA it's the opposite your stars take up so much cap room that it's really hard to get talented players around them for cheap that fit under the salary cap one way to do it get early draft picks the Golden State Warriors have two of them and they to me are one of four winners from the NBA draft lottery along with again the Detroit Pistons the Houston Rockets the Toronto Raptors and the Golden State Warriors Two losers immediately jump out to me from this NBA draft lottery. The first one, it's the Oklahoma City Thunder. And the Oklahoma City Thunder are in the middle of, of a massive, you know, Philadelphia 76ers process-like rebuild where they're completely tearing it down from the Russell Westbrook, KD, Paul George, all that era. They're completely tearing it down and building it back up. And so this was a team that finished third in terms of the worst record in the NBA this year and was in great position to get into that top five. And you know what happened? They fell out of the top five and to number six. And in a draft where the top five players are clear cut above everybody else, and when you are the Oklahoma City Thunder and desperately need a superstar to build around, drafting at number six is not ideal. 
So Oklahoma City, to me, is one of the biggest losers. And then Minnesota, of course, is one of the biggest losers as well. I know they have some nice young pieces, especially Anthony Edwards. Credit to him because, to me, he looked a lot better than I expected him to, which is probably a byproduct of Tom Crean being a terrible college coach. But I bring it up because imagine if they could have kept that seventh pick and taken a Davion Mitchell, taken um, whoever, you know, a Franz Wagner from Michigan, a Keon Johnson from Tennessee, having one of those guys, a James Booknight from UConn, a Moses Moody from Arkansas, and adding that piece around Anthony Edwards. So those are my big takeaways. Those are the winners and losers. And now what I want to do, I want to do the first ever Aaron Torres mock draft here on this podcast. Because again, as soon as the draft went final, I had a ton of you reach out to me and basically say, Torres, uh, what do I need to know? Uh, my team, I'm a Detroit Pistons fan. I'm a Rockets fan. I'm a Raptors fan. I'm a Bulls fan. I'm a this fan. I'm a that fan. What do I need to know? Or uh, I think I like Jalen Suggs. What do I need to know about him? Or I don't know much about the G League Ignite guys. So what I want to do is I am going to do a mock draft. And to be clear, I am projecting who I think that this team is going to take. And keep in mind, I'm recording here on June, the night of June 23rd. So a lot is going to change. I'm sure some of these picks will be traded. We'll get some intel on players that are good, players that are bad, players that work, players that don't. But what I want to do is do my first ever mock draft on this show. Drum roll, please. Number one overall pick with the first pick, with the first pick in the 2021 NBA draft, the Detroit T Pistons, almost called them the Tigers. Let me start over. With the first pick in the 2021 NBA draft, the Detroit Pistons, no brainer, they are going to select Cade Cunningham, the combo guard from Oklahoma State. And this is about as big of a no-brainer as there has been in a long time. Certainly Zion going at number one was a no-brainer. Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, whatever. There have been a lot of years where there was a consensus number one player. Ben Simmons, I believe, was that many years ago. And this is just easy. One, as I just said, the Detroit Pistons are in complete rebuild mode. But what you need is not only a player with superstar potential, but you now have a chance to bring in Cade Cunningham, who is the perfect face for a massive rebuild, and here is why. It's not just that Cade Cunningham is talented. It's not just that he averaged 20 points and four assists per game at Oklahoma State last year. But what I love about Cade Cunningham is that he completely elevated that program during his time at Oklahoma State. You don't need me to tell you, but Oklahoma State had been irrelevant for a long time. They had not won a single NCAA tournament game since 2009. Well, fast forward to this year, Oklahoma State by the end of the year was one of the 10 best teams in college basketball. Now, did they go far in the tournament? No, they lost in the second round. But in the final two weeks of the season, they beat West Virginia twice. They're one of only two teams to beat Baylor. And it is a direct byproduct of Cade Cunningham elevating everyone's game at Oklahoma State and elevating the program as a whole. So as I just said a minute ago, he is the first piece of many that Detroit needs. But you get that guy in and all of a sudden the future looks bright. Congratulations. By the way, I can just definitively say you don't need to be a, a draft expert to know Cade Cunningham is going to the Detroit Pistons. Uh, his agent so much is told Woj that he is not even going to take any other visits other than the Detroit Pistons. That's how confident he is that he is going number one. Number two, Houston Rockets. I believe they will take Jalen Suggs. Now, I know that there's a lot of buzz with Evan Mobley. And look, if they go with Evan Mobley or Jalen Green, I don't believe that is the wrong decision for the Houston Rockets. But when I look at them, as I said a minute ago, they are in a major rebuild. And we now live in an era where guards run the NBA. Not saying you can't have a great big man, not saying, but you look at look at these teams. Trey Young, Devin Booker, um, you know, whatever, uh, you know, Chris Paul. Guards run the NBA. And so when you have a chance to draft a guy like Jalen Suggs, I just don't know how you pass up on that. Think about what he does, what he will immediately bring to the Rockets. Super competitive, skilled, great athlete. I talked about it a little bit during the, 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 the NCAA tournament run, but the only guy that was not afraid of Baylor, the only guy that kind of stepped up and was ready to go that night in the national championship game, hits that iconic shot. I mean, this kid is A++ across the board, except for three-point shooting. He wasn't a great three-point shooter, but that can be worked on. That can be fixed. And I'm just telling you, in the NBA in 2021, it all starts with your guards. Look at Philadelphia. Philadelphia, they didn't get anything out of their backcourt. They were relying on Joel Embiid. He's taking a bunch of long twos. 
All of a sudden, they're out of the playoffs. Meanwhile, Trey Young is still in there. Chris Paul is still in there. Paul George, who's kind of a wing combo guard. I bring it up to say the Houston Rockets, I believe, will select Jalen Suggs at number two. And let me say number three. Kind of works out really nicely for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I believe they will select Evan Mobley, the center from USC. And the reason why is pretty simple. Cleveland is pretty set at, they've spent the last three or four drafts kind of building the backcourt and the wings for the future. They've drafted Colin Sexton, who was their leading scorer this year. They've drafted Darius Garland from Vanderbilt. They drafted Isaac Okoro last year from Auburn, and he is a kid that is a two-way wing that's really great defensively. They don't need another guy like that. The one thing that they are very clearly missing is a low-post anchor, a guy that can change games in the low post. I know they have Jared Allen, but who knows if he's going to stay there long-term. They need that guy in the low post for their future to build around along with those young guards and wings. The one thing I love about Evan Mobley, Andy Enfield, the USC coach, talked about it on this podcast, is the idea that he can win you a game without scoring 25. Cleveland has guys that can get you 25. Colin Sexton had a couple 40, 50-point games this year. What they need is a guy that can win you games on the defensive end, block shots, get you 12, 15, 20 boards. And while Evan Mobley's a little skinny, he needs to bulk up, he is going to be that guy going forward. So Evan Mobley would be the will be the Cleveland Cavaliers pick at number three. Number four, I'm going to throw you a little bit of curveball. I know a lot of people think Jalen Green will go in the top three, top four. I actually think Jonathan Kaminga, the other star player from G League Ignite, will be the pick for the Toronto Raptors at number four. The reason, it's because as I told you a minute ago, the Raptors don't need a superstar. Jalen Green is an incredible scorer, volume scorer. He has the ability, might be the best pure scorer in this NBA draft. The Raptors don't need that. They have Pascal Siakam, who has played at an all-star level. They have Fred Van Vliet, who has played at an all-star level. What the Toronto Raptors need is guys that can come in and help them win games without having to get 20 to 25 shots per game, and that's exactly who Jonathan Kaminga is. He plays hard. He plays hard on both ends of the floor, and I just think he fits perfectly with a team that needs youth, energy. I mean, they got a lot of guys outside of Kyle Lowry who, you know, who knows what his future is with that organization. They got a lot of guys kind of in that prime of their career. Again, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, guys that were part of that championship team from a few years ago. What they need is young blood, energy, guys that are willing to do the dirty work because of it. Jonathan Kaminga, the fourth overall pick to the Toronto Raptors, in my opinion. Number five, the Orlando Magic. I told you it's a five-player draft. Jalen Green is the fifth of the five I believe he will go to the Orlando Magic. He played in the G League Ignite program. And for people who are not super familiar with Jalen Green, elite athlete, elite scoring ability. He's a little bit of a three-point shooting, uh, you know, he's a streaky three-point shooter. But on the flip side, hasn't shown a full commitment on the defensive end and is a guy that's very much kind of a a, a YouTube high school star that kind of carries himself in a way that, you know, volume score, likes the highlights, isn't fully committed on the other end. And so when you look at the Orlando Magic, I think it makes a lot of sense for them. First of all, I know it doesn't matter, but he's basically best friends with RJ Hampton, and RJ Hampton plays in Orlando. So you know they'll be getting push uh, behind the scenes from some of the young players in Orlando. But again, you're the Orlando Magic. You stink. You traded Aaron Gordon. You tried to make the playoffs with that core. That's not happening. You're starting a rebuild. So why not go out and get the player that maybe, frankly, has more upside than anybody in this NBA draft? Remember, Jalen Green is the kid that said, if I played college basketball, you guys would be talking about me as the number one pick. And I don't think he is crazy to say that. So Orlando Magic, they go with the really high upside, high risk, high reward kid. But I think they may end up, it may end up working out well for them because again, this guy is so skilled. And if he ends up being the best pure scorer uh, in this draft, I wouldn't be surprised. A guy that makes four, five, six, seven all-star teams, I wouldn't be surprised. Jalen Green goes at number five. Number six, as I said, huge drop off between five and six. And I do feel bad for the Oklahoma City Thunder because they are a team that needs help in the worst way. And there is a big drop off after that top five. I believe at number six, they will go with Scotty Barnes, kind of the combo guard forward from Florida State. Oklahoma City, 
they have a million draft picks, and what they need to do is just take the best players, just take the guys with the highest upside and hope that it works out. You have a million of these picks. If you whiff on four of them, but you get three of them right, that's a win if you're Oklahoma City. That's why you accumulate all these picks. So if you whiff on a guy or two, you're still in good position. Think about it like the Philadelphia 76ers. They completely whiffed on Markel Fultz. They completely whiffed on some other guys. Nerlens Noel didn't work out the way they hoped, but Joel Embiid is an MVP kind of caliber player, and Ben Simmons, as bad as he was in the playoffs, is still a guy that you can build around. I think Oklahoma City does that, and Scotty Barnes, versatile player, six foot eight, six foot nine, can handle the ball, gets other people involved. Great kid. I know behind the scenes, some of the people in Oklahoma City are really fond of him. He goes number six to the Thunder. Number seven, Golden State Warriors. Again, this pick is via the Minnesota Timberwolves. I believe they're going to go with Davion Mitchell, the guard from Baylor. Let me explain why. As I said a minute ago, the Golden State Warriors had a top three pick last year and ended up taking James Wiseman. And if you paid close attention, Steve Kerr kind of wasn't very happy with James Wiseman this year. Basically, James Wiseman's an incredibly skilled player, but Steve Kerr made a few comments throughout the year of, man, these young guys don't know how to play. They just, they don't bring it every night. It's just, it's not the same as it used to be. They don't get coached as hard in college, all that kind of stuff. And what you kind of got the sense of was, hey, this kid wasn't ready to step in the NBA and be a professional from day one. So I believe the Golden State Warriors, with a very small window, but they still do have a window open, they're going to go with the most mature and I think the best two-way player in this draft in Davion Mitchell. Davion Mitchell was a star of Baylor's NCAA tournament team, NCAA title team. If you watch that team, he was probably the best player in the NCAA tournament, 14 points, 5.5 assists per game in college. But the great thing about him is two things. One, just a super mature kid. He's 22, 23 years old. There's no drama. There's no nothing. He's just a grown man, and he is going to step in from day one and be a professional. Two, he really gets after it on the defensive end. He was maybe the best defensive guard in college basketball last year. Why is that important? It's because think about the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry, they need him to score 30 to 35 every night for them to win. Klay Thompson is coming off two major surgeries. They don't need those guys chasing around the other team's best perimeter player on the defensive end. Davion Mitchell comes in, he takes the defensive assignment, he gives them 8, 10, 12 points to offset what Klay and Steph are doing. Perfect fit, it makes too much sense. Of course, Golden State could potentially trade this pick, but in my mind, it makes perfect sense for them to draft this guy, and who knows, maybe two, three years kind of following the lead of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, he is that next great guard with the Golden State Warriors, but at the very least, they get a guy that's going to compete on both ends, guard the other team's best player. Davion Mitchell, the guard from Baylor, will go seven to the Golden State Warriors. Number eight, the Orlando Magic again have a second first-round pick, this one via the Chicago Bulls. I believe they are going to go with Franz Wagner, Mo Wagner's brother, who was the forward from Michigan. Why do they go with Franz Wagner? To me, the reason why is this. I told you a minute ago, with their first pick, they're going to take Jalen Green, super high upside, super talent, but if it doesn't work out, like, you know, it could not work out and it could be really, really, really bad for the Orlando Magic. So in this case, they take, instead of the super high upside kid, they take the guy that's a little further along in his development. Franz Wagner obviously played a little bit of professional ball when he was in Germany as a kid, comes to Michigan, plays for an NBA caliber coach in Jawan Howard, and he's just a great player in the sense that he competes on both ends of the floor, he plays defense, he's skilled, he can shoot threes, and he's kind of that offset for Jalen Green where he doesn't have the upside, but he isn't just going to crater and bottom out. Franz Wagner goes number eight to the Orlando Magic. Number nine, Sacramento Kings. I believe they're going to take Keon Johnson, the forward from Tennessee, and think about the Sacramento Kings. Another team, they have the star power. They have De'Aaron Fox, who played at an all-star level this year. They have the scoring with Buddy Heald. What they need are guys now that are willing to come in and do the dirty work, dive on the floor, defend the other team's best player, and that's exactly who Keon Johnson is. Rick Barnes talked about it on this podcast. He said, that kid is a dog. He gets after it. I love coaching him. I love being in the gym with him. That is the exact kind of guy that Sacramento needs as they try to push out of this never-ending, out-of-the-playoffs abyss. They need some toughness, some mental toughness, some physical toughness. Keon Johnson will be that guy at number nine. Number 10, New Orleans Pelicans. I'm just going to keep it real with you. 
They're going to do whatever it takes to keep Zion Williamson happy. Zion's family is already chirping about what is potentially going on inside of that program and so or inside of that organization. They are going to do what makes him happy, and I believe the pick here will be Corey Kispert, the forward from Gonzaga. What is going to make Zion Williamson happy? Three-point shooting that keeps defenders out of the paint, lets him go one-on-one and destroy people, and creates floor space. And Corey Kispert shot 44% from the three-point line in each of the last two seasons at Gonzaga. He can space the floor. It makes the defenders come out on him. It, it leaves the lane open for Zion. Zion is already a great NBA player. Now he's got some three-point shooting. Corey Kispert at number 10 to the New Orleans Pelicans. Number 11, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. So number 11 is the Charlotte Hornets. The Charlotte Hornets have a very nice young talent base in that organization. Obviously, LaMelo Ball, the Rookie of the Year this year, is this, the point guard of the, the present and the future. Have some really good players on the wings. Miles Bridges, uh, P.J. Washington, who played at Kentucky, Terry Rozier, on and on and on and on and on. The one thing they don't have is really a center that can run with those guys and kind of play the style that they're going to want to play with LaMelo Ball. I have them taking Kai Jones, the center from Texas, with the 11th pick in this draft. For people who didn't watch a ton of Texas, Shaka Smart, what I'll tell you is this. This kid is raw. He didn't start playing basketball till late. He's from the Bahamas. But if you watch him, he is oozing with talent. Six foot 11, can handle the ball, can shoot threes, can do all sorts of crazy stuff. And it might be two or three years before he develops. But guess what? LaMelo Ball is only 20 years old. So if it takes two or three years and LaMelo's 23 and he's got another running mate alongside Miles Bridges, that is a win for the Charlotte Hornets. I was going to say Oklahoma City Thunder, but the Charlotte Hornets. Kai Jones at number 11 to Charlotte. Number 12, San Antonio Spurs. How about my UConn Huskies? James Booknight, the UConn guard, is going to be the pick here. If you followed the San Antonio Spurs NBA draft history, they have really gone, really dating back to like the Kawhi Leonard days, They've really gone for a lot of high upside athletic guys, and some of them work out and some of them don't. But think about who they've drafted recently. Keldon Johnson, crazy athlete out of Kentucky. He's actually been really good. DeJounte Murray, crazy athlete from Washington. He's turned out really good as a point guard. Lonnie Walker, crazy athlete from Miami. It hasn't really necessarily worked out the way that I think many people thought it would when he entered the NBA, but you look at what he did this past year. He averaged 11 points per game in his third NBA season. He wasn't terrible. All these guys are elite high upside athletes. Devin Vassell, the same Well, James Booknight is an elite athlete, and I don't even think you have to worry about the upside. He averaged 19 points per game at UConn last year, is a true scorer, elite scorer, great talent, and he just kind of fits who they are and what they want to do. So in my opinion, James Booknight fits who they draft traditionally. I don't think they draft so much on need as in just the best player, the best talent, the best upside available. James Booknight is that player with the 12th pick. 13th pick, Indiana Pacers. Indiana Pacers, another one of these teams. They made the playoffs by technicality as the nine seed. They have an all-star with DeMontis Sabonis. They got a bunch of other really talented guys around him. I believe they will take Josh Giddy the guard for, uh, from Australia. He's a big guard, about 6'8", 6'9", great passer, and just another one of these guys. He doesn't have to shoot the ball 22 times a game to feel like he contributed. He defends, he works hard, hustle, energy, rebound, passing, facilitating. Those are the kind of guys Indiana needs. Indiana doesn't need a guy that needs to get 22 a game to feel good about himself at the end of the night. Indiana Pacers take Josh Gideon. Number 14, I have the Golden State Warriors taking Moses Moody from Arkansas. And I think this fits into a lot of what I just said a minute ago. Now, again, could Golden State, will they likely try to trade these picks to get, um, you know, to get veteran help now? Yes. But if you can't get those veterans, you have to get guys that are ready to step in today and compete. Davion Mitchell will do that, and I believe Moses Moody will do that. He averaged 17 a game as a freshman. He defended his butt off. He obviously played in a great NBA-style system under Eric Musselman. And by all accounts, just a worker, just a kid that's all about the right things, a kid that's going to step in and not worry about the hype and the this and the that and the jewelry. and the No, he just wants to ball, man. He just wants to ball. And so Moses Moody is the 14th pick of the Golden State Warriors, the final pick of the NBA lottery. Really quick for those of you who did miss it, here are my top 14 picks. Detroit Pistons take Cade Cunningham with the first overall pick. Jalen Suggs goes number two overall to Gonzaga. Number three, Evan Mobley. Number four, 
Jonathan Kamiga to the Toronto Raptors. Number five, Jalen Green from G League Ignite to the Orlando Magic. Number six, Scotty Barnes to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Number seven, with the first of two picks in the lottery, the Golden State Warriors take Davion Mitchell from Baylor. Number eight, the Orlando Magic take Franz Wagner from Michigan. Number nine, Sacramento Kings take Keon Johnson from Tennessee. Number 10, the New Orleans Pelicans take Corey Kispert from Gonzaga. Number 11, Kai Jones from Texas goes to the Charlotte Hornets. Number 12, James Booknight from UConn goes to the Spurs. Number 13, Josh Giddy from Australia goes to the Pacers. And number 14, with their second first-round pick, Moses Moody goes to the Golden State Warriors. All right, so I think that is it for this segment of the Aaron Torres podcast. What I want to do is take a quick, short commercial break. And when I come back, we will talk about the SEC Big 12 Challenge. That is right, the SEC Big 12 Challenge. We know the game, some great marquee games, Kansas, Kentucky, Texas, Tennessee, the return of Rick Barnes. We'll talk about that. Maybe a little bit of an interesting story that emerged with Jay Williams from ESPN. But I am going to take a quick break, and I will be right back. Before we get to the Big 12 SEC Challenge and all the great games that are coming, I do want to welcome back one of our favorite sponsors, PrizePix and PrizePix.com. The NBA playoffs are well underway, and there is no better way to enjoy watching your favorite former college basketball stars than by playing Daily Fantasy with our friends at PrizePix. PrizePix, I've told you, it's Daily Fantasy. It's simple. You download the app, PrizePix, you sign up, make sure you use promo code TORS when you do, and then you just pick players and you pick stats. Uh, Trey Young, is he going to go over or under 28 points? Is, is, is... Devin Booker going to go over or under seven and a half assists? Is Chris Paul going to go over or under four and a half rebounds? It's that simple. All you got to do, it's really fun to play. Prize picks and prizepicks.com. On Wednesday, as I record here, we're getting ready for game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. I have Trey Young over 27 and a half points. This guy never lets me down. Shout out Trey Young. But back to prize picks, which gives you the, 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 the prize pick structure is absolutely insane. Okay. Some in some cases you can win 10 times your money, in some cases you're enter to win $10,000. Here is the here's how it works. It's simple. You log in, you make 5 picks, okay? This is how you win 10k. You you log in, you make 5 picks for the day. If you hit all 5, you get 10k. If it's your first initial deposit, make sure you use promo code TORS when you do so. If you get 4 out of 5, you win 10 times your money. But again, you have to use promo code TORS when you sign up. And on top of that, they will match up to $100. So you put in $100, you put it all on Trey Young over 27 and a half. They give you an extra $100 to play with. The only stipulation is when you sign up, it has to be your first deposit, has to use promo code TORRES when you do it. But again, you get an instant 100%, 100% bonus of up to $100, and you're automatically entered to win $10K. Don't forget that's Prize Picks, the Prize Picks app, or prizepicks.com. Use promo code Torres to claim your bonus offer today and take your viewing of your favorite college basketball stars, former college basketball stars, to the next level. Thank you again to our sponsor, Prize Picks. All right, everybody, I am back. Uh, again, a big thank you to PrizePicks and PrizePicks.com. They really are just an awesome service. Again, if you love playing Daily Fantasy, go ahead, sign up, use promo code TORS, but a really fun service that I really have enjoyed using these NBA playoffs. And if you're not, by the way, a huge diehard NBA person, they have MLB, they have some other sports, and obviously once we get to the NFL season, it is going to pick up like gangbusters. So thank you to Prize Picks, and let's transition. Let's get out of here on a few last topics. And the first topic I want to get to is we did actually get a little college basketball news on Wednesday. We obviously opened the show talking so much about the NBA draft, the lottery picks, winners, losers, who I like, who I don't, all that kind of stuff. But we got some actual college basketball news on Wednesday as the SEC Big 12 Challenge games were announced for next season. The SEC Big 12 Challenge, it's pretty simple. It's no different than the A10 or the SC, or the ACC Big 10 Challenge, excuse me, in which you basically get the best teams from the Big 12, the best teams from the SEC. You get them on the court together and they go after each other. And it's a really fun event. It is in late January, early February. So it's always a great kind of precursor as college basketball on the calendar starts to pick up steam. It's usually that week right before the Super Bowl when there's no football on 
So a really fun event, and I think it's going to be especially exciting this year, and I'll tell you why. Before we get into the games themselves, what games I like, what games I don't, when I was looking at these matchups and I was realizing, we know the Big 12 is good. Every year we get told the Big 12 is the best conference in college basketball, and in many ways they often deliver. This year I think it was Baylor, Kansas, Texas, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, whatever. But the SEC is quickly rising in the basketball lexicon, and it was really interesting because about three, four weeks ago, I had Bruce Pearl on this show, and one thing that Bruce Pearl said is he said, the, the, the coaching in the SEC has never been better than it is right now. And I know that's something that sounds like hyperbole. Every coach is going to say that. But one, when it comes from Bruce Pearl, it's a little bit different because keep in mind, Bruce Pearl has essentially been in the SEC since like 2005, if you go back to the Tennessee days. He has seen this conference in many iterations really over the last 15 to 20 years. But two, if you look at the stats, they're backed up by what Bruce Pearl said. I'll give you an incredible stat. I looked this up after Bruce Pearl came on this show. The SEC has six different head coaches who have made a Final Four. That sounds impressive. When you think about 14 teams, six of them have made a Final Four. How about this? That is tied for the most in all of college basketball alongside the Big 12. That's right. The SEC has more coaches that have made a Final Four than the ACC, than the Big 10, than the Pac-12, than the Big East. On top of that, I would also say you could argue the SEC also has the best young coaches in the game. Nate Oates, we know it's a matter of time before that guy makes the Final Four. Eric Musselman, he has done essentially historic things in six years as a college basketball head coach. Uh, he's been to uh, Sweet 16 at Nevada, year two at Arkansas, went to a final, uh, a final eight. So you know that guy's going to a Final Four in a minute. Uh, he's going to a Final Four at some point, excuse me. You look at other guys, Will Wade, say what you want about him, but that guy, if he keeps his job, uh, has LSU competing every year. So a lot of good coaching in the SEC, and seeing these matchups made me realize just how much talent there is in this league as well as the Big 12. So the SEC Big 12 Challenge, it's set for the last weekend in January. Here are the games, and I'm going to break down a few of them in a minute, but this is via John Rothstein. The SEC Big 12 Challenge games are as follows. Kentucky will play at Kansas. Sounds fun. Awesome. We'll get to it. Tennessee at Texas. That is big for one specific reason. I'll tell you why. Baylor at Alabama. Oklahoma at Auburn. West Virginia at Arkansas. Oklahoma State at Florida. LSU at TCU. Mississippi State at Texas Tech. Missouri at Iowa State. Kansas State at Ole Miss. Not going to lie, not going to spend a ton of time talking Kansas State, Ole Miss, Missouri, Iowa State, Mississippi State, Texas Tech, or LSU, TCU. But I want to get to some of the other games because there really are some great games on this schedule. And let's start with the headliner. It is Kentucky, Kansas. And it sounds big and it feels big and it's two big brands and it's two Hall of Fame coaches. It's going to be at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. When you talk about one of the marquee games on the college basketball calendar, this is it, Kentucky going to Kansas. And what I love about this matchup is both of these programs have really done a great job recalibrating this offseason. While one of them was significantly worse than the other, neither lived up to expectations. Kentucky was a disaster at 9-16. and Kansas ended up with a three-seed. But if you remember, got absolutely obliterated by USC in the NCAA tournament. And so you look at these two teams, and I have both of them in the top 10 going into next season. Kentucky at number 8 in my latest top 25. Kansas at number 4. And you look at these two rosters, they're going to be really good all season long. Kentucky, we've talked about the rebuild. Severe Wheeler, the point guard from Georgia, has arrived. Ty Ty Washington, five-star combo guard. Great three-point shooting with C.J. Frederick and Kellen Grady. Transfers from Iowa and Davidson, respectively. They have some size down low. I think from day one, Kentucky's going to be much improved. And Kansas, by the way, Remy Martin, all Pac-12 guard from Arizona State, will come to Kansas. On top of that, keep in mind that they basically return everybody off a team that as bad as they were at points and as bad as it ended against USC, they are also a team that still did finish second in the Big 12 in the regular season standings. Really fun game. I would also say, by the way, shout out to Kentucky. Talk about a loaded schedule for Kentucky. Here is who Kentucky is going to play next season. Duke in the Champions Classic. Kansas at Kansas in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. I believe right now it looks like it's going to be North Carolina in the CBS Sports Classic. They also play at Michigan. Those are all top 20 teams in my preseason poll. They will also play versus Louisville at Rupp Arena. They will play at Notre Dame. 
And oh, by the way, they also have 18 SEC games in what might be the toughest SEC of all time. So you talk about a loaded schedule. John Calipari, of course, famously said uh, during COVID, he said, you shouldn't be testing me for COVID. You should be testing me for drugs with the schedule they put together. Well, there will be a couple easier games mixed in, but that is a brutal schedule for Kentucky. But Kansas-Kentucky is a marquee game. Second one, Tennessee at Texas. This is big for two reasons. One, it's the Rick Barnes return game to Austin. That is right. Rick Barnes, of course, 16 years as a head coach at Texas. They throw him out like a day-old day trash. He goes to Tennessee, wins an SEC title in year three, gets him to a Sweet 16 in year four. Going to have another really good team, but they will go to Texas in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. I'll be very curious to see what the reaction is. I think the fans will be gracious to coach Barnes and by the way I'm trying to get Rick Barnes on this podcast sometime this summer obviously with recruiting it's really difficult but I only bring it up to say that when you look at what he did for Texas 15 NCAA tournaments in 16 years this was a guy that that, that should have a statue outside of that arena at some point but the fan base got greedy the the, the administration got greedy they thought they could do better they fire him. He goes to Tennessee. They bring in Shaka Smart. Zero NCAA tournament wins since. And I think they start to appreciate how good Rick Barnes really had that program rolling. I would also say on the flip side, I'm just curious to see what Texas looks like by that point. I talked about Texas last week. I'm not going to overblow it. I, I, I spent so much time talking about the five marquee transfers that they have brought in, three marquee returnees from last year's team that was a three seed in the NCAA tournament, and they added a five-star guard in Jalen Tyson. So that is a really talented team. That should be a really fun game. But the Rick Barnes return to Austin should be fascinating. Baylor at Alabama. Talk about a really interesting game. You have Baylor, who, of course, defending national champions. By the way, we couldn't have gotten this game in the Elite Eight last year or the Sweet 16. Baylor, of course, the defending Big 12 champs, the defending national champs. Alabama, the defending SEC champs. Both programs, I think, will still be really good next year. Baylor did lose a couple of marquee players, including Davion Mitchell, who went number seven in, in Torres' mock draft. But they also return a lot. A uh, bunch of key players from the, the, the championship team, Adam Flagler, Matthew Meyer, Jonathan Chama Chachua, the big guy down low, Flo Thamba. They also add James Akinjo, point guard from Arizona, who was all Pac-12 last year. Yes, the Big 12 has added all Pac-12 guard Remy Martin from Arizona State, all Pac-12 guard James Akinjo from, Can uh, from Arizona. But now Baylor has reloaded. I believe they're a top 15 team or so. And, of course, Alabama's going to be awesome too. Now, they are waiting on two marquee players that are, are testing the NBA draft waters. I will do, by the way, a recap of the NBA, uh, NBA um, whatchamacallit, the, the, the top players that are still testing the draft waters. Players have until July 7th to withdraw their names. But Bama has two players in that process, Jaden Shackelford and Joshua Primo. If both come back, I think Bama should be the SEC favorite going in. If they lose one or both, that's a different conversation. They should still be really good, though. How about this? Even if they lose both, they still have three former McDonald's All-Americans in their backcourt. Javon Quinterly, who picked up his game, played really well late for Alabama last year. Namari Burnett, a Texas Tech transfer, who was a McDonald's All-American in 2020. And J.D. Davison, a McDonald's All-American this past season. Really fun game. Should be fast-paced. Should be good three-point shooting. Should be a really exciting game to watch. And I should also say, by the way, shout out Bama. I just talked about Kentucky schedule next year. How about Bama, which will play three of the four Final Four teams? I just mentioned they'll host Baylor. They will also host Houston. And they will play Gonzaga in Seattle. On top of that, they're also playing Memphis and potentially Kansas in one of these early season tournaments. And there's also buzz that they may play Texas with Chris Beard as well. So shout out to Nate Oates, really ramping up the schedule. Gonzaga in Seattle, Baylor at home, Houston on the road. Other games to kind of keep an eye out for. The, the one that intrigues me next, Arkansas and West Virginia. West Virginia, I just mentioned the players that are kind of on the fence. I think you could argue that Johnny Juzang at UCLA is the single most important decision. We'll talk about that on Monday's show. But outside of Johnny Juzang, the number two most important decision might be Miles McBride from West Virginia. If he comes back, West Virginia is a top 15 team, top 20 team. If he stays in the draft, West Virginia might not even be a tournament team. He's that good. That whole game, West Virginia to Arkansas, hinges on whether he comes back. Arkansas is going to be awesome. I have them in my preseason top 10. Bring back a bunch of key players from the Elite Eight team, Devo Davis, Jalen Williams, and J.D. Note. Add a bunch of marquee transfers, Chris Likes, Audis, Tony. 
from Miami and Pitt, respectively, both averaged 15 a game in the ACC last year. Stanley Amude, on and on and on and on and on. They just added Trey Wade from Wichita as well last year. A couple other games, Oklahoma at Auburn. I had Auburn fans freaking out today on social media because I said this should be a matchup of NCAA tournament caliber teams. Well, what I was saying was Oklahoma, we'll see how they are. Porter Mosier's the new head coach. But obviously, look, I think Auburn's going to be really good. Just had Bruce Pearl on a few weeks ago. He's really excited about his team, really excited about the size, athleticism, versatility that they have going into this particular season. Auburn, a really good team. And then finally, really quickly, I want to give a shout out to Oklahoma State, Florida. I have Oklahoma State, like I have Auburn, in my top 25 going into next season. Oklahoma State loses Cade Cunningham, but literally bring back to everybody else. They've added a bunch of transfers. They have some guys that were unhealthy last year that should be healthy this year. So really exciting, interesting team headed into 2021, Oklahoma State. Florida, I've crushed Mike White, but he did a good job in the portal, brought in four or five guys. Myrion Jones from Penn State is probably the most marquee player. And it'll be interesting because Mike White, I don't think, has had much success signing the high-level high school players. Very curious to see what it means for him to maybe bring in some some transfers from smaller schools. Maybe that will make maybe they'll be happier to be there. Won't give them as much grief, all that stuff. But those are the games you need to know. Those are the games you need to watch. And like I said, LSU TCU will be interesting. The other games, Mississippi State at Texas Tech. I think Mississippi State's a tournament team as well. Missouri at Iowa State, Kansas State, Ole Miss. Uh, those are going to be some tough watches. Those have noon at ESPNU written all over them. All right, before we get out of here, one last thing that I do want to talk about, and I want to give a quick shout-out. We used to do shout-out of the day. I don't know if you remember shout-out of the day. Basically, I find kind of a quirky, offbeat story, and I just talk about it, give a quick shout-out. So the shout-out of the day today, we're going to bring it back for, for at least one episode. Shout-out of the day goes to ESPN commentator Jay Williams. And if you listen to this podcast... I, I'm not really a fan of Jay Williams. This was a guy no one except for maybe Jay Billis has benefited more from the platform that college basketball has provided from than Jay Williams. This is a guy that routinely is telling players, skip college, screw the NCAA, you don't need college. But he is also a guy that won National Player of the Year and then came back as a junior to play at Duke as uh, so he could graduate. So it was, the, the system worked great for Jay Williams. It was so terrible that he decided to return after winning National Player of the Year rather than go pro to get his degree, but everybody else should skip college. Screw it. Anyway, Jay Williams, uh, really great basketball player. By the way, I'll say this. Jay Williams might be the best college basketball player I've ever seen. If you watch Jay, Bill, Jay Williams in his prime, he was unbelievable at Duke. Um, you know, this was a guy that, again, National Player of the Year as a sophomore, helped Duke win a national championship. He averaged, I'm trying to pull up his stats as we speak here, 21.5 points per game as a junior, 21.3, or 21.5 as a sophomore, 21 as a junior. Obviously, we know what happened in his NBA career. It didn't work out, but he was a great college basketball player. But it's time to give shout-out today to Jay Williams for this. Jay Williams had a truly abysmal, awful tweet. And then on top of that, he tried to pull the I was hacked card after it. So this is what happened with Jay Williams on Wednesday. So the Boston Celtics, we talked about Brad Stevens. Is he going to ever come back to basketball? But he left as the Celtics head coach, and he is now the GM. On Wednesday, Brad Stevens officially hired the man to replace him. It is a man named Ime Udoka, who was the Brooklyn Nets' lead assistant. Fun fact on Ime Adoka, I had no idea. He's married to Nia Long, okay? If you're about my age, Nia Long was like one of your middle school crushes. She dated Will Smith on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Nia Long married to the new Boston Celtics head coach, but that's not why I bring it up. Here's why I bring it up. Here was what Jay Williams tweeted out. After the announcement that Imo Adoka, Ime Adoka, who's married to Nia Long, was hired as the Boston Celtics head coach. Jay Williams, the first head coach of color of the cell for the Celtics. Fist pound. And even more importantly, he is one, one talented individual who has paid his dues. Three clapping emojis. There's just one problem. Ime Adoka is the sixth coach of color. For the Boston Celtics. So, like, Jay Williams was just like, whoa! Like, it wasn't like they had a coach for, like, a half a season a million years ago. Like, no. Bill Russell, a million years ago, was their head coach. Casey Jones, 
if I'm not mistaken, won multiple championships early in the Larry Bird era as a head coach. I could be mistaken on that. I'm trying to look it up really quick as we speak. But Casey Jones was a coach of the Boston Celtics there for a while. Uh, yes, he won an NBA championship. as He won two NBA championships as the head coach of the Boston Celtics. Oh, by the way, the most recent championship, Doc Rivers. Before that, ML Carr. I started watching the NBA. ML Carr was the Boston Celtics head coach before Rick Pitino. So it's not as though there was one coach of uh, color in the history of the organization 30. Like, no, it happened literally like six years ago. And here's the problem. We all make mistakes. Who cares? It's not a big deal. It doesn't matter. And then Jay Williams, what does he do, though? Rather than just saying, man, that was kind of dumb, he deletes his tweet minutes later. And then approximately three and a half hours later, this is what he tweets. As it relates to the Boston Celtics tweet that came from my account a couple hours ago, I did not post that and my passcode has now been changed. Jay Williams, what are you doing? You know, Jay Williams, you had a terrible take that was factually incorrect. Just own it. And I, I, like, like on the one hand, it's really funny. On the other, I will say, it is so reflective of our society and social media in general. Like, why can't anybody just admit they're wrong? Like, like I get it. You know, I have people chirping at me in my Twitter mentions every single day, okay? I tweet something. Oh, you, why you say that? Well, I didn't say that. You just misread it. Well, no, you just, it's like, it's okay to just admit you're wrong. I admit I'm wrong all the time. I do a segment on this show called Where Aaron Was Right, Where Aaron Was Wrong. I have terrible takes all the time. I'm the guy that said I thought Ben Simmons was the closest thing I've ever seen to LeBron since LeBron entered the league. Ben Simmons can't shoot. I was the guy that said Trey Young shoots too much. Uh, no, Trey Young's awesome, and I was completely wrong on that. I was the guy that picked Gonzaga to win the national championship. I was the guy that I don't know. I, I picked uh, I picked I picked Ohio State to beat Alabama in the college football national championship game, and Ohio State got destroyed. It's okay. It's okay to admit you're wrong. It's not that big of a deal. But to pull the, my account was hacked over an NBA coaching tweet? Like, that was the thing that stood out to me. Like, like, like accounts are hacked. Mine will probably get hacked at some point. I'm not, I'm dreading the day. I'm mortified of the day. I'm worried about what is going to get sent out. But I have no doubt my account's going to get hacked at some point. But what I can tell you is this. The Russian hackers and the Chinese hackers that are monitoring our social media feeds and breaking in, you know when they get into your account, you know what they're not going to do? They're not going to go in and, 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 and send out topical, factually incorrect NBA coaching tweets, okay? They're probably going to send some inappropriate pictures, may, maybe have a little inappropriate language, maybe send some links that screw up your computer. The one thing they are not going to do is be tweeting about fake uh, topical coaching news that's factually incorrect. That's not how the Russian bots work. I'm not a social media expert. I Knock on wood, I still to this date have not been hacked. But what they do when I get hacked, I don't think the first tweet is going to be a factually incorrect tweet from the Russian bots about how raw, about how how great of a hire the Boston Celtics made. So shout out to Jay Williams. Bro, my guy, if I could just give you some PR 101, I know the part of my take guys do PR 101 all the time. Bro, just own it. It's It's not that big of a deal. You screwed up. You said something factually incorrect. If you hadn't tweet, if you had just deleted the tweet, it wouldn't have even been a story by the end of the day. And if you had taken the step further of saying, you know what, man, was I wrong. The Boston Celtics have actually done a good job, and I know there's all sorts of stuff about Boston and this and that. Boston Celtics have done a good job of bringing in diverse coaching candidates over the last couple decades. So I got to say, wow, I was wrong. I misread it. I misunderstood. I didn't know. By the way, I get stuff all the, wrong, all, all the time wrong. Aaron Torres, I do. I hated Trey Young. Boy, was I wrong on that. All right, I'm fired up. I guess that is it for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Now, Jay Williams got me all sorts of fired up, but before we get out of here, I do want to remind you, please make sure that you are subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I promise you, at some point, we are going to get some good guests back on. And by the way, we had Dan Lust this week. We had Jake Weingarten last week. So it's not as though we don't have guests, but I just want in. I just want to get back to the Rick Barnes, Eric Musselman, Nate Oates, Hugh Freeze type guests, and we will get them as things calm down in the coaching world. But before we get out of here, I want to remind you, please make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Podcast, iTunes, the Podcast Addict app, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure to rate and review the show. 
Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Really got some fun stuff ahead for you, a lot of good stuff. We are going to have more great guests. I got some surprises on the way. But that is all for today's show. Thank you for your guys' support of this show all offseason long. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. I will be back on Monday with a new episode of the Aaron Torres Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.